Chapter 24 Grace, a Matter of Growth In the Christian church there is a class of Christians who have grown so much that they can no longer be called babes in grace. Yet they are not so mature that they can be exactly called fathers. Those men who form this middle class of the spiritually minded are called young men. Age, according to the flesh, often differs much from the condition of the spirit. Many old men are still no more than infants in Christ. Some children, in years, are even now young men in grace, while not a few young men are fathers in the church, while still young in years. God has endowed certain of His servants with great grace, and He has made them mature in their youth. Some examples of such people are Joseph, Samuel, David, Josiah, and Timothy. It is not age according to the family register that we speak about, but age according to the Lamb's book of life. Grace is a matter of growth, and therefore we have among us babes, young men, and fathers, whose position is not determined according to this fleeting, dying life, but according to that eternal life that has been brought about in them by the Spirit of God. It is a great mercy when young men in the natural sense are also young men in the spiritual sense. The fathers do not need to be ashamed of their spiritual seed. In speaking to young men in Christ, I am speaking to a large body of Christians who make up a very efficient part of the army of Christ. I would ask them not to be either so modest or so proud as to decline to be classed in this way. You are no longer weaklings. Therefore, don't consider yourselves to be babes lest you plead exemption from hard service. You are hardly yet mature enough to be included with the fathers. Don't forget the duties of your real place because you are aspiring to another. It is honor enough to be in Christ, and certainly it is no small thing to be in spiritual things a man in the prime of life. These young men are not infants. They have been in Christ too long for that. They are no longer novices and strangers to the Lord's house. Most have been born unto God for years now. The things for which they hoped at first they have to a large extent realized. They know now what once they could not understand. They are not confined to a diet of milk, for they can now eat meat and digest it well. They have discernment, having had their senses exercised by reason of use, so that they are not so likely to be misled as they were in their infancy. While they have been longer in the way, they have also now grown stronger in the way. It is not a weak and timid faith that they now possess. They believe firmly and strongly, and are able to do battle for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Jude 1 3. For they are strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Ephesians 6 10. They are wiser now than they used to be. When they were children, they knew enough to save them, for they knew the Father, and that was a blessed knowledge. But now they know far more of the Word of God, which abides in them through their earnest, prayerful, believing acceptance of it. They now have a clearer idea of the breadth and length and depth and height of the work of redemption, for they have been taught by God. They even ventured to enjoy the deep things of God, and the covenant is by no means an unknown thing among them. They have been under the blessed teaching of the Spirit of God, and from Him they have received an unction, so that they know all things. John fourteen twenty six. 
In knowledge they are no longer children, but they are men in Christ Jesus. Thus they are distinguished from the first class, which contains the babes in Christ. They are not yet fathers, because they are not yet so established, confirmed, and settled as the fathers are, who know what they believe, and who know it with a certainty of full assurance that nothing can shake. They have not yet had the experience of fathers, and consequently they do not have all their wisdom and foresight. They are richer in zeal than in judgment. They have not yet acquired the skill to nurture others in the faith that is so precious in the church, and is the result of growth, experience, maturity, and affection. They are going on to that, and in a short time they will have reached it, but as yet they have other work to do that is more suitable to their strength. Do not suppose that when we say they are not to be called fathers, that they are not therefore very valuable to the community, for in some senses they are quite equal to the fathers, and in one or two respects they may even be superior to them. The fathers are for contemplation. They study deep and see far, and so they have known Him that is from the beginning, 1 John 2.14, but a part of their energy for action may have gone through stress of years. These young men are born to fight. They are the militia of the church. They have to contend for her faith and extend the Redeemer's kingdom. They should do so, for they are strong. This is their lot, and may the Lord help them to fulfill their calling. These must be our active spirits for years to come. They are our strength and our hope. The fathers must soon leave the stage. Their maturity in grace shows that they are ready for glory, and it is not God's way to keep His shocks of corn in the field once they are fully ripe. Mature men will be gathered up with the mature, and they will enter into their proper sphere. The fathers, therefore, must soon be gone, and after they are gone we must look to these young men for a succession. We hope to have them with us for many years, valiant for the truth, steadfast in the faith, ripening in spirit, and growingly made ready to take their seats among the glorified saints above. Judge whether you are deservedly to be ranked among the young men. Have no regard to the matter of gender, for there is neither male nor female in Christ Jesus. Galatians 3.28. Judge whether you are ready to be ranked among those whose full-grown and vigorous life entitles them to stand among the soldiers of the church, the vigorous manhood of the seed of Israel. These Christians of the middle group are emphatically strong. This does not imply that any measure of spiritual strength was in them by nature, for the Apostle Paul clearly says otherwise concerning our natural state. When we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. Romans 5 6. By nature, we are without strength to do anything that is good and right. We are as strong as a wild bull to dash headlong into everything that is evil, and we are as strong as a lion to fight against all that is good and godlike. But for all spiritual things and holy things, we are entirely weak and incapable. We are as dead men until God the Holy Spirit deals with us. Neither does the apostle here at all allude to the strength of the body of young men, for, in a spiritual sense, this is their weakness rather than their strength. The man who is strong in the flesh is too often for that very reason strongly tempted to sins of the flesh. Therefore, 
the apostle urges his young friend to flee also youthful lusts. 2 Timothy 2.22. The time of life in which a young man is found is full of danger, and so is the spiritual condition of which it is the type. The young man might almost wish that it were with him as with the older man, in whom the forces of the flesh have declined, for although age brings with it many infirmities, it also has its gain in the decline of the passions. So you see that the young man cannot depend upon strength of the flesh as contributing toward real strength. Instead, he must ask for more strength from on high, lest the physical strength that is within him would drag down his spirit. He is glad to be in robust health, so that he may bear much toil in the Lord's cause, but he is not proud of it, for he remembers that the Lord delighteth not in the strength of the horse, he taketh not pleasure in the legs of a man. Psalm 147, 10. These young men in grace are strong, first of all, in faith according to that exhortation, Be strong and of a good courage, be not afraid. Joshua 1, 9. They have known the Lord now for some time, and they have enjoyed that perfect peace that is a result of forgiven sin. They have observed the work of the Spirit within themselves, and they know it is no delusion but a divine change. Now they not only believe in Christ, but they know that they believe in Him. They know whom they have believed, and they are persuaded that He is able to keep that which they have committed to Him. 2 Timothy 1.12. That faith that was once a healing touch has now become a satisfying embrace. That enjoyment that was once a sip has now become a full glass, quenching all thirst. Yes, and that which was once a full glass has become an immersion into the river of God, which is full of water. They have plunged into the river of life and find waters to swim in. Oh, what a mercy it is to be strong in this way! Let him who is strong take heed that he glory only in the Lord, Jeremiah 9, 23-24, 1 Corinthians 1, 31, who is his righteousness and strength, but in him and in his strength he may indeed make his boast and defy the armies of the strangers. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Philippians 4, 13. Take care that you never lose this strength. Pray to God that you may never sin so as to lose it, that you may never backslide so as to lose it, and that you may never grieve the Spirit so as to lose it. I suppose that to be endowed with power from on high, and to be strong in faith, giving glory to God, is the truest glory and majesty of our manhood, and it would be sad to lose it or even to impair it. Oh, that all Christians were so much advanced as to enter the enlisted battalion of the Lord's young men. This strength makes a man strong to endure. He is a sufferer, but notice how patient he is. He is a loser in business, and he has a hard task to earn his daily bread, but he never complains, for he has learned to be content in every condition and situation. Philippians 4, 11. He is persecuted, but he is not distressed by it. 2 Corinthians 4, 9. People revile him, but he is not moved from the even tenor of his way. 
he doesn't pay much attention to either flattery or slander. As long as he can please God, he is not concerned if he displeases men. He dwells on high and lives above the smoke of human opinion. He bears and forbears. He bows his neck to the yoke and his shoulders to the burden, and has fellowship with Christ in his sufferings. Philippians 3.10. Blessed is that man who is so strong that he never complains of his trials, never complains and agonizes because he is made to share in the humiliations and griefs of his covenant head. He expected to bear the cross when he became a follower of the crucified, and he is not now made weary and faint when it presses upon him. It is a fine sight to see young Isaac bearing the wood for the sacrifice, young Joseph bearing the chains in prison with holy joy, young Samson carrying away the gates of Gaza, bars and all, and young David praising God with his harp even though Saul is reaching for his javelin. Such are the exploits of the young men who count it all joy when they fall into manifold trials for Christ's sake. James 1, 2. O young man, be strong! Be as strong as an iron column that bears the full stress of the building and is not moved. This strength shows itself next in laboring for Christ. The young man in Christ is a great worker. He has so much strength that he cannot sit still. He would be ashamed to leave the burden and heat of the day that others bear. He is up and working according to his calling and ability. He has asked his Lord as a favor to give him something to do. His prayer has been, Show me what you want me to do. And having received an answer, he has found in the vineyard trenching the soil, removing the weeds, pruning the vines, and attending to such labors as the seasons demand. His master has said to him, Feed my sheep, and feed my lambs. John 21, 15-17, And therefore you will see him through the entire day and far into the night watching over the flock that is committed to him. He greatly rejoices in all this toil, for he is strong. He can run and not be weary. He can walk and not faint. Isaiah 40, 31. By my God have I leaped over a wall, he says. Psalm 18, 29. Nothing is hard to him. Or, if it is, he remembers that the diamond cuts the diamond, so he sets a harder thing against a hard thing, and he overcomes by a firm and stern resolve. That which should be done, he declares will be done in the power of God, and it is indeed accomplished. Blessed is the church that has her quiver full of these men. She will speak with her enemies in the gate. Psalm 127, 5. These are the men who work our reformations. These are the men who conduct our missions. These are the men who launch out into the deep for Christ. They make the front line of the host of God and largely compose the main body of her forces. These young men are also strong to resist attack. They are assaulted, but they carry with them the shield of faith with which they quench the fiery darts of the enemy. Ephesians 6:16. 6, Wherever they go, if they meet with others who are tempted, they rush to the front to take up their cause. They are ready in the day of battle to meet attacks upon the faith with the sword of the Spirit. They will not give up any point of faith, but will defend the truth despite all danger. 
Clad in the armor of truth, they meet no deadly wound, for they are so preserved by grace that the wicked one does not touch them. They resist temptation and are unharmed in the midst of danger. Do you want an example? Look at Joseph. Where ten thousand would have fallen, he stands in snow white purity. Joseph, as contrasted with David, is an example of how a young man may bring greater glory to God than an older man when assailed by a similar temptation. Joseph is still young, and the temptation forces itself upon him while he is in the path of duty. He is alone with his temptress, and no one needs to know of the sin if it is committed. On the other hand, if he refuses, then shame and possibly death may await him through the false statements of the offended woman. Yet he bravely resists the assault and overcomes the wicked one. He is a bright contrast to the older man, a father in Israel, who went out of his way to perform an evil deed and committed a crime in order to fulfill his wicked desire. From this case we learn that neither years nor knowledge nor experience can preserve any one of us from sin. Both old and young must be kept by the power of God, or they will be overthrown by the tempter. Furthermore, these young men are not only strong in defense, but they are strong in attack. They carry the war into the enemy's territory. If there is anything to be done, they are like Jonathan and his armor-bearer, eager for the fight. They are very zealous for the Lord of hosts, and are quick to undertake toil and travail for Jesus' sake. They smite down error and set up truth. They believe great things, attempt great things, and expect great things, and the Lord is with them. The archers have sorely grieved them, and shot at them, and hated them, but their bows abide in strength, for the arms of their hands are made strong by the mighty God of Jacob. Genesis 49:23-24. One of them shall chase a thousand, and two put ten thousand to flight. Deuteronomy 32, 30.